Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, give the Bears credit. Uh, they always leave us something to talk about uh, on these Thursday podcasts. Uh, this week, we'll, we'll try and figure out whether we're excited about Tyson Bajit or not. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, did you ever think you'd see an undrafted rookie quarterback starting (laughs) for anybody, much less in week seven of the season and much less for Justin Fields, who two weeks ago we thought might be turning a corner? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected it this early in anybody's season. Right. Um, This wouldn't normally be your ideal structure. No. Normally you would want a quarterback that you believe can be your present and future as the starter. You want a very competent veteran as the backup. And then you want a Tyson Bajant type on your practice squad or at the end of your roster to be in development. So to have it shake out this way which, I mean, I'd rather have it be Tyson Bajan than Nathan Peterman, right. both in terms of interest long-term and that Tyson Bajan right now today is probably better than Nathan Peterman. But this uh, thing... Although not as experienced. Right. But, but playing him gives certainly opens the opportunity. This thing could be a mess on Sunday, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, everything points toward that historically. When you're starting someone that comes from this small of a school, this early in their career, not by design, this isn't the plan. This isn't someone that has been cooking on their practice squad for a couple of years or been um, kind of being groomed for this type of role. It is, the odds are against it, even against the Raiders team that is just average, just yeah. an average NFL opponent. Um, nonetheless, it's nothing like Bajan has ever faced. I know he came in at the end of uh, for the second half of the Vikings game, so that was his first taste of it. Um, you probably saw him look good in preseason. That's a totally different ballgame. People don't really blitz in the preseason. There's a lot of very simple, straightforward coverage in the preseason. There's a lot of starters out right. on the defense in the preseason. You might have seen him set every record, I believe, passing-wise in college football. Um, that was against teams like... West Westchester Westchester University yeah. and Cutstown and right. like that's not exactly like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence coming from the very top of college football. It's interesting. It's a great story. I think maybe you and I were talking about this earlier this week. That picture this in a different situation. Picture this uh, Tyson Bajant getting his shot, filling in for Mahomes for a week or Justin Herbert for a week or Tua for a week. Um, and you know it's just a one-off or, a, or just a three-game stretch where, you know, the really, really good established quarterback is coming back yeah. soon. You'd be like, ah, this is kind of cool. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a fun story. It, not, nothing's really ever going to be fun for the Bears at 1-5. and five. Like, the only th- way this is going to be fun is if he's good enough to get them a win. And, man, that just seems unlikely. The name that people always bring up uh, in this scenario is Tom Brady. The more recent name... Right. Who was a sixth-round pick. The The more recent name that people bring up is Brock Purdy, who was the very, very last pick of the 2022 draft? Last yeah, year's last draft. Year's last draft. year's draft. And so Brock Purdy is a guy that was almost undrafted. Right. Came from major college football, though, at Iowa State. And Brock Purdy comes in in week 12, I think right off the top. That's a big difference. Yep. Steps into a perfectly clicking 
49ers team that I want to say was like eight and four at the time on a loaded roster comes in, does very well, ends up winning the job this year, winning playoff games for them last year, winning the job outright this year. That's in a perfect situation. This is so far from a perfect situation. Justin Fields is far, far from the only reason this team is one in five. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that comes down to the blocking. And, uh it comes down to the fact that they have one reliable wide receiver at this point. This comes down to the fact that their only, you know, reliable running back, you know, Dante Foreman, eh, I mean, was fairly uneven uh, last week. There were a couple of things you touched on that that I that I want to come back to. One of them is this: you mentioned, uh, you know, blitzes. You mentioned protection. Uh, Luke Getzey explained today that. You know, on the first play of the game, the Bears' first play of the game against this blitz-happy Vikings team, uh, the Bears came out empty formation. Uh, Vikings had more pass rushers than the Bears had blockers. Justin Fields does the right thing, checks in to a slide protection, and has all of his linemen looking to their right to block. That leaves the edge rusher on the left untouched. That's the right thing to do, and he did it. The second thing he needed to do was take two steps to his right when he got the snap and throw the Throw the damn football. And he didn't. And I think we've seen a lot of that with Justin. I think some of what we saw with Tyson Bajant on Sunday was it was kind of refreshing to just see him get the ball out. Uh, but I I think refreshing is probably the nicest thing we'll be able to say about it uh, going forward. It, it's just a different idea than what, um, th- than, than what they had with Justin Fields. The, the second thing I wanted to bring up, well, quick trivia question. Do you remember what... Um, Brock Purdy got for being Mr. Irrelevant when he went to Huntington Beach, California for his uh, dinner. A uh, surfboard or something? He got a trophy, which was named the? The Mr. Irrelevant Trophy. The Lozman Trophy. Oh. Not Heisman. Lozman. Ah, wow. uh, yeah, and I mean, you said it. Brock Purdy walked into a better situation. Um, uh, walked into a perfect situation. A perfect situation. Pretty much. And I wrote about this the other day. This really hasn't happened in Bears history before. There are two guys who have started as an undrafted rookie at quarterback since the merger. One of them was in the strike year where he was. they were playing scabs. So let's throw that one out. Was it Sean Payton? No, it was yeah. not. Um, and, and the other one was Henry Burris, who had thrown for 4,000 yards the year before in the CFL or two years before or something like that. Uh, both of them were, you know, adults, you know, not, rook, not guys fresh out of college. One of them was playing in a season that only barely counts. Yeah. So you're asking an absolute ton of this kid and of this offense that didn't really seem to work with Justin Fields at quarterback. A real Division II undrafted rookie. Didn't yep. he's not like 28. Yep. It's not like he played in Europe. Or, well, and we talked about played Ch- in the CFL or played in the Arena yeah. League. And like, y- he was in college last year at Shepard. And you and I talked about Chad Hudson. Chad Hutchinson. When you look at how often it's happened around the NFL in recent years, Chad Hutchinson was pitching, I think he was pitching in relief for the St. Louis Cardinals the year before when he started for the Cardinals, or for the uh, Cowboys. Warren Moon had come from the CFL. You know, half these, something. half these cases are screwy, bounce-back career things. Yeah. This is not that. This is, you know, this is, uh, you know, six months removed from graduating college or yeah. or finishing your college career. It's, it's really, really... Interesting, but it's to me, it's only at this point, it's only interesting because of the sense of unknown going forward. Uh, and I'll be curious uh, 
if the answers we get on Sunday aren't good, boy, I, I, I wonder what Bears fans have left to look forward to. It's a total, that's bleak. Uh, it's <laughs> Sorry. A, it, but, but real, but, but you know, accurate. Um, it's a total wild card with Tyson Bajan. Mm-hmm. The odds are against him. Yep. As he said Wednesday, though, he has beaten every odds that has ever been against him. And he has. Comes not, from not middle wrong. of nowhere, West Virginia. Uh, not recruited, like ends up at a small Division two program. Ten miles from his house. Yeah. Comes right. here and he's behind Walker and Peterman and could easily be cut. Tyson Bajan could have been cut any time between April and the start of training camp, and you barely would have even noticed. We It would have been 100 words in our newspaper if he had. Yeah. And... And to his credit, he beat them. He beat those odds. And to his credit, he carries himself as though he thinks he's just gonna keep keep uh, you know uh, keep drawing twenty ones off of thirteen or something like that. See, it's, I I like that. I, I love like, that. Oh I yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put this because it's like, is has Tyson Bajan been doing what I would like to see him do to this point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that it will continue? No. Yeah. Past this very moment that you're listening to this? Not necessarily, no. And if there's anything as a Bears fan that you're tired of hearing, I'd love to see your top ten list <laughs> of things you're tired of hearing from Hallis Hall. Near or at the top would be how good something looked in practice all week. And then, surprise, the game is the lie detector test. It looks horrible. But Tyson Bajant, for what he has had to do, mm-hmm. going back to off-season camps, uh, training camp, preseason games... All the way through his starting quarterback press conference Wednesday, Tyson Bajan stepping in to the weekly Wednesday starting quarterback press conference. I like his vibe. He looks like he doesn't look scared. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He doesn't look like, uh, um, you know, kind of nervous and trying to figure it out. Tyson Tyson Bajan commanded the room Wednesday like a starting quarterback and seems incredibly confident and that will not get it done <laughs> right. but I like that as a starting point for him uh, he commanded a room at 11 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium after his preseason game like he's you know th- this is he has carried himself in a really unique really interesting way I I already did a good job of yesterday mm-hmm. one of the it's one of the most insignificant questions in the big picture probably for him but I loved how he – I loved that it was asked and I loved how he handled it. Because most of the questions to Tyson Bajan on Wednesday were about his story. Right, sure. How crazy is this? Your dad's an arm wrestler. How yeah. crazy is this? You're from West Virginia. Uh, somebody asked him about the interception that he threw. Yeah. And that's part of the job too. Mm-hmm. It's not just look at me, I'm happy, amazing story, Tyson Bajan. It's like, oh, you got to answer for what happens on the field too. Right. And he had a good answer. He, he said that, like, i got to do a better job knowing what my options are on that play. And if he's going to be able to continue to diagnose his hits and misses in games, mm-hmm. that is going to be more key than his ability to exude confidence and tell his story as a guy that, you know, he was the only, him and his dad were the only ones that believed this was possible. And Luke Etsy said today, you know, on that interception, he essentially shoveled or shuffled himself right into his own left guard. That part of it was, you know, Bajan's footwork. He just drifted a little too far. And had he stayed where he should have been, maybe he could have stepped into the throw a little better and, and made a better pass. I'd, I'd asked Luke Getze on Thursday about 
really the last time he had to do something like this, and that was two years ago. Uh, I don't know whether you remember this, but Aaron Rodgers uh, got COVID-19 on a Wednesday. Who yeah. could have seen that coming? And uh, they had to prepare Jordan Love for his first start on a Sunday. For at Arrowhead, I believe, right? At Arrowhead. And, you know, he... Understandably, Luke does not like making comparisons between the Packers and the Bears. I think because when you coach the Bears, comparing yourself to the Packers, it's probably a losing proposition. Um, but he did say, you know, here's one thing they had in common, is that during the course of the week, we fed him the playbook and fed him the playbook, playbook and fed him the playbook. And they were, you know, uh, Love was really good about saying, I get this, I don't get that, we need to work on me getting the, that. And he said that Tyson is just like that, is that when Tyson, you know, Tyson uh, communicates well about what he knows and what he doesn't know. And honestly, it doesn't sound like there's a lot that he doesn't know. This is a guy who I think a lot of his confidence is that he studies like a crazy person. He knows his stuff. He was talking about this, and we talk about this all the time. I think where we talk about this the most, actually, is with wide receivers because it's been an issue for the Bears. The best athletes don't always win. Right. The guys who know what's going on are the guys that win. Anthony Miller probably has more talent in every regard than Darnell Mooney. And oh, Darnell yeah. Mooney's super talented. Sure. But Darnell Mooney has lasted and outplayed him as a rookie because he knew where to be. Right. And it, it is even more true with quarterbacks. Knowing what you need to do, knowing what's happening, mm-hmm. is so much more important than the physical abilities. And Tyson Bajan, I was very impressed both with his confidence and his self-awareness when he's telling you about being sent into the game against the Vikings – and he says what he told Getze is, call your offense. Do call your thing. Them. Do know, your thing is yeah, the quote. Yeah. I know the playbook. Don't like tailor this down for me like I'm a kid. I know this. Go ahead and call what you want to call in these situations. I'm ready for it. I well, like that. Well, and, and I'm writing about that uh, for the Sun-Times. And, and Getze, <laughs> Getze had, had a good quote. You know, you said, so when this kid says, I know the playbook, just keep doing what you're doing. Do you believe him? Yeah. And Getze's, Getze's quote was, to say that he has a full command of everything that we have, that's probably a little bit optimistic, <laughs> which is honest and good. And then he says, but it's really cool and rare uh, when you're out there looking, you know, it's, it's cool and rare in the sense that you look for guys who want, who act like this. Yeah. You look for guys with this sort of confidence. This is, this is a good thing when they say, uh, no, 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 put it all on me. I got this. Whether it's true or not, and the the job of the coach, I guess, is to determine how much of it is Bajan's confidence and how much of it is legit. Yeah, and you have to go off what you've seen in practice, and then you'll have to adapt to what you're seeing in the game. Is this being run as we drew it up, or is it not? Let me let me get very practical with you with this question, Patrick. Okay. Give me a realistic range of outcomes here for Tyson Bajan. Give me a, a realistic worst-case scenario for Sunday and a realistic best-case scenario for him? I think the worst-case scenario for the Bears and for Bajan is that they get down early and they have to throw a lot. And the Bajan throws three interceptions, just is unsure of what he's looking at, is unsure of the speed. You're picturing down 10 most at, or more most of the game, yeah, and Bajan having to throw 40 times on right. obvious passing situations against their passers. And that's just a bad situation gotcha. for everybody, but certainly for an undrafted rookie. I think the best case scenario is the Bears rely on a run game that's been really good. Uh, you look at the at, at the Raiders; they give up the tenth most rushing yards in football, the seventh most rushing uh, touchdowns. Uh, that you rely on Dante Foreman, uh, maybe Darrington Evans, and then you run a quick, targeted passing attack that enables Bajent to 
get the ball, get rid of the ball, stay away from Max Crosby, and you know complete 65% of his passes for 250 yards and two touchdowns, something like that. Um, maybe he runs a little bit when he gets in trouble, but you know he was clear. He, you know he said. I'm not quite a drop-back passer, but I'm not a dual-threat guy either. I'm kind of somewhere in between. Uh, if he can use his legs and run four times for 30 yards, something like that, you've got to – I mean, that that's a formula for something. That's a formula for yeah. you being in the game. And then, you know, the other part of it is the Bears' defense has to hang in there. Uh, I think they did a good job of that against the Vikings. It was by far their best performance. But I'll believe that the Bears' defense is uh, – not horrible when I see it consistently. Um, yeah. Because up until last week, it had been pretty consistently horrible. Yeah, just as their offense had been, and other than right. this little flare-up against the Broncos, which, by the way, it was only 20 points. Right, Like, sure. let's not throw a parade for 28 points. Sure. And then 40 against the Commanders. Right. Um, Bajan is the big story for Sunday for the game. Fields is the bigger story. Fields being out is the bigger story, big picture. Yep. For the Bears. And even if we're saying conservatively he's going to miss three games, let's say. Okay. Let's say he's hurt. He's not going to be able to throw or throw well, but doesn't need to go on IR, doesn't need surgery. He's going to miss three games. I think even that is a big issue for him. And this is someone who has a super high bar to clear Mm -hmm. because of the Bears having Carolina's pick, which could end up being number one. Yep. And he has to. Del- he has. He was not on solid ground at the time of the injury, as their franchise quarterback, and would have to deliver an overwhelmingly convincing case over the final eleven games. So what that means, as far as the injury is concerned, to me, is that while this is not fair because getting hurt is not something that you can control, missing time counts against him. Mm-hmm. Not in the whole like availability is an ability thing that I hate that they say. Um, but in the sense that it cuts down his opportunity, and he can't, he couldn't have afforded that. Right, and and it's not fair, but it's true. He needed starting in week one to prove to the Bears that he was their quarterback of the future. I think that would have been the best case scenario for the franchise too, because then maybe they sit there and they go, okay, we'll give him Marvin Harrison Jr. with the second yeah. pick, and we'll give him a left tackle with the eighth pick or whatever. You would love to end this year where Justin Fields is the eighth best quarterback in the NFL, right. and you can use those high picks to do something else. And you build a real roster around him, or you trade one of those super high picks to a quarterback needy team, and then you get another haul just like the one you got um, from the Panthers, and that's how you start acquiring really top-tier players. Uh, he had to show it. And he hasn't yet. He had a good five days. And I don't want to demean that because that is, boy, that is the Justin Fields that, you know, on his best, best, best day, I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd ever see Justin Fields throw the ball the way he threw the ball in those two games. But him being on the bench hurts him. It's not a neutral outcome. It is a negative outcome for him. And As opposed to, like, if it was Herbert. Right. If Herbert was going to miss three games, it would have no effect on any big picture, anything for the Khalil Chargers. Herbert? Or, oh, Justin, Justin Herbert. Sorry. Okay. Awesome. I'm talking quarterback. Quarterback. quarterback well, and, and, and the other thing, too, is what compounds that is if you believe that Justin sitting hurts their chances of winning, and I think it pretty obviously does as we sit here right now, Yeah. every loss that the Bears take or you know, from now on further incentivizes them to go get somebody who's not Justin Fields to play quarterback. 
because that pick gets better. And um, yeah, it's it's bad news all around. I, I think as we sit here, if he missed three games and didn't need surgery and didn't have to go on IR, that to me would be a pretty, you called it conservative. I think it'd be a pretty happy outcome for him at this point. Um, yeah, that's a, that's like a kind of, um, is conservative the right word? It, that's like kind of a, a rosiest possible outcome for him is to only miss three games. And that gives him eight games to come back and play. You know, what I wrote about in the Sun-Times for Thursday's paper was, okay, once that, let's say that happens. Every inaccurate ball he throws the rest of the way, you're going to sit there and go, how hurt is his thumb, really? Yeah. Uh, when he carries the football, and carrying the football, when things are going right, is a really important part of his game. And I, I don't think we've seen it as much this year as I thought we would. But when he carries it, if he fumbles, or if he runs out of bounds instead of putting his head down, or his shoulder down, um, to try and get a first down or whatever. Or you can sit there and be like, boy... That thumb's probably really bothering him. And then that all of that clouds the evaluation, right? I mean, all of that makes it hard to get a really super clear picture of whether he is your guy or not. There's, I don't want to say it's an excuse, but it's built-in rationalization now if things don't go well. Yeah, but it's not going to be, well, he was hurt. We're going to, you know, not count this year and give another chance. Like, I don't think it... It's not going to be like a placeholder like that. Like you said, it's not a neutral event for Fields. If Justin Fields sits out the next three games, the most that is home against the Raiders, then at the Chargers, at the Saints. Uh, no, no amazing, no no Super Bowl contender there. Yeah. But uh, all teams that are better than the Bears, yep. including the Raiders, mm-hmm. and certainly including the Chargers and the Saints on the road. Most likely outcome, not saying this will happen, but the most likely outcome there is 0-3. You oh, lose sure. all three of those games with mm-hmm. your undrafted rookie quarterback. What does that put him at? One and eight. Yep. You saying does. Justin Fields is coming back at one and eight? Um, what What's happening to your season at that point? Is it any worse than what's happening to the season now? I mean that can that could really <laughs> slide out of control. And so I mean now you're talking about like on top of everything else that would be working against Justin Fields, like this the season is so over. You can't even. Pretend right. well, to dangle this Matt Eberflus story that he keeps telling about the Colts and their big comeback in 2018. Like you can't even, you can't even like throw that unicorn and, out. And there. why? Why did they come back? What was the big contributor there? They had Andrew Luck. Oh, Andrew Luck came back and played well. Yeah. Oh, okay, a, a guy everyone thinks would have been a Hall of Fame quarterback if he kept playing. And the, the other thing too is, I want to lay this out as a hypothetical, but I think it's worth thinking about. If there's, say, eight games or six games or four games or whatever left in the season when Fields comes back, and it's clear that the Bears are probably going to go in a different direction with him, what sort of advice would you give him if you were his representative? Hopefully you don't have to. I know what you're getting at, and hopefully you don't have to. Hopefully the Bears sit there at one and eight. They know they've moved on. Hopefully they would do the right thing and not and, – and do the right things for themselves because right. you're wanting to trade him right. and get something in return. Right, uh, and – that's the thing. If he plays well the second half of the season, that in theory makes him more value a more valuable trade piece. But if he doesn't, you know, is there once again is there that excuse? You sit there and go, you know, hey, New uh, New York Jets, uh, if you want Justin for next year, we really want a second round pick for him. I know he was bad the second half of the year, but you know he had that thumb, and now but now the thumb's okay. Yeah. And and can other teams get a, a true sense of it? It's a really interesting question. I, you know, as we sit here today, you know, Fields had a small little brace on it. 
when we saw him yesterday, he still wasn't casted up. Um, that's I, I view that as some sort of positive. But Matt Eberflus said the Bears were going to make a decision by the end of the week on what to do with him, and we await that. I want to get to picks. Oh, go ahead, Justin. I'd be very nervous about Justin Fields playing through that injury, which I assume that at some point he is playing through that injury, where it will not be – if you're trying to get him back as soon as possible, you're getting him back with that thumb not 100%. With it taped up. Yeah. He's incredibly tough. Mm-hmm. Like, there are other injuries where I would, like, you know, he played through cracked ribs, I think, a couple of years ago. There are other injuries where I would feel like Justin Fields can power through that just on his grit. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of things have been working against Justin Fields in his Bears career. One thing I do put predominantly on him mm-hmm. is that he has been a turnover machine. Right. He has thrown picks. He has coughed up the ball. That has been very problematic. And you can say what you want about teammates and blocking and coaching and scheme and all those things. But ultimately, the guy with the ball in his hand that's losing the ball to the other team mm-hmm. is him. He's making those decisions. Now you're going to add like a, a, an extra liability of ball security problem because of the thumb, but whether as a ball carrier or a thrower, yep. I, that is extremely troubling to me when it comes to ju- the idea of Justin Fields coming back, which again, we don't know when that is. We hopefully, uh, I think we'll have some, I really do think we'll have some clarity on that no later than Saturday afternoon. I can't imagine the Bears would be sitting here. I can't imagine they would not put him on IR Saturday mm-hmm. and then have him end up missing four games. I mean, that would be such a miscalculation as far as trying to manage your roster and, and needing some help and directly needing help at quarterback because if he is going to miss four games, you want to be able to add somebody as the uh, add a third quarterback to the active roster so that person can be your emergency third quarterback and you're not trying to you're not trying to beat somebody in the fourth quarter with Cole Komet at quarterback. This is the same team, though, that at 2.30 last Friday, Matt Eberflus goes, I will figure out what to do with Khalil Herbert here pretty soon. And then 25 minutes later, they put him on IR, something like that. Um, Quick meeting. Yeah, yeah, they do a good job of not having to comment on it uh, if they don't want to. Jason, let's get to picks real quick. Uh, before we do, I'll throw a stat at you. Uh, the Bears played in Las Vegas on October 10th of 2021. I remember. It was our first year uh, with uh, the full traveling party after COVID. Uh, Las Vegas did not seem to recognize COVID from what I remember. Uh, the Bears I don't won- think it hit there. No, the Bears won that game. Tell me what, give me their winning percentage since then. Were they three and two or four and two? I think it got them to three and three. I believe. No, I think they came out of there with a winning record. Since then, what is their record? My point is they were riding high. Matt Nagy was like, this is turning around. And then a losing streak began. And then winning three more games. Uh, Uh, Let's see. Winning percentage. Since then, winning percentage, I'm going to guess they've played about 40 games. They played 35 games. Uh, they had to have won at least a third of those. Even a bad team would win a third of that. Uh, no. Uh, how many wins do they have out of 35? How about that? Lower. I'm, I'm pointing lower. No, nope. got to be 10. Nope, lower. I mean, 10 and 25 in that run would be horrible. Lower. They went 6 and 11 that year. Okay, keep going lower. Lower than 10. 9? They went. They've gone seven and twenty-eight since then. Twenty-eight. Has anyone been worse? That's a fifth probably of. Probably not, right? No, no. I, I, I need to look it up, but probably not. I'm sure not. Seven and twenty. That's twenty percent of their games, Jason. That's one, one in every five. That's actually uh, higher than Matt Eberflus's winning percentage. That actually, that twenty percent is weighted up by winning some games in the final year of Matt Nagy. I've got the Raiders twenty-four, twenty-three, uh, just because. 
I'm five and one because I've picked against the Bears every time, and I just I can't pick them unless I unless I can see it, um, and and I don't think we have any reason for faith here. If Tyson Bajan comes out and is great, I'm happy to be pleasantly surprised. But you'll uh, take the L on that one in the picks. So yeah, fine. Jason, you've got him also one point game, a little lower, scoring 16-15. I, does this have something to do with the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo's got a bad back? We may see um, either Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, the Raiders aren't very good. No. The Raiders are 3-3, three and three, but... Um, and Josh Jacobs, last year's rushing leader, is not good this year. Either. I know they beat the Patriots. Am I missing? I think they Patriots, beat the Cardinals. Patriots, Packers, Broncos. Packers, Broncos. Okay, so they haven't beaten any good team. Right. None of those teams has a winning record. Right. Uh so they're not very good, but they are better, I would say, in every way than the Bears. And Max Crosby would be a potential game changer for them because yeah. he's a game changer anyway, but that is a particular problem that the Bears have trouble with. Like if I'm the Bears and I'm listing my biggest concerns for this game, he's ahead of Devontae Adams for me. Even though Devontae Adams is better at his job, he's a better player in my opinion right. uh, than Crosby is at his I'd be, I, I think I can, I got the horses, I got the players to match and deal with Devontae Adams and keep him from just absolutely destroying me. Max Crosby, like, I mean, would it be that crazy if he got like five sacks on Sunday? Like, I, I don't think you can just rule that out. Also, Darnell Wright still banged up at right tackle for the Bears. Uh, that could be a giant problem. Mark Potash has also got the Raiders 31-27 of the six sometimes. Uh, Somebody had a predictor. Bears, didn't they? Yes, they did. I'll, I'll let you guess. Uh, not Morrissey. Nope. <laughs> Talender. No. Talender made some goofy no. Bears pick. Scoop Jackson's got the Bears 21-18 in overtime. Scoop's a believer. I love it. I think that, yeah, I think Scoop's picked the Bears more often than not. So Because uh, he wants to be happy. Yeah. This yeah. would all be happier and more fun if they were good and interesting. As the Raiders prove, Jason, you can be a bad team and still be 3-3. Three and three. It's not that hard. It'll still not be very it, fun. It, it, it can't yeah. be that fun to watch Raiders games. Anyway, on that, we will uh, we will uh, let you go. Uh, if there is an emergency Justin Fields uh, uh, development, uh, we will check back in. But otherwise, uh, we will see you next time on Sunday after the Bears game at noon against the Raiders. He's Jason. I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.